Hey, welcome to the weekly A Calvary Bible Podcast, where we connect what happened on the weekend to your real life lived Monday through Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, with two of my good friends, Pastor Jay Ewing and Pastor Zach Thompson. Fellas, how you doing? Doing all right. How are you doing? I feel really good. We're like hot off the big vote of the annual meeting. <laughs> this is great. I mean, vote early, vote often. Is usually what I say. Yeah, yeah, totally. Annual meeting last night was a great highlight of just God's faithfulness to Calvary. I felt so encouraged. Like 150 people or so that came and just celebrated with us what God's been doing. Approved the budget, elected new officers and elders, updated the statement of faith. Man, it's good. All in a good night's work. Yeah, and we got ice cream afterwards for those who were in person. Yeah. Only, only those in person, though. Like, yeah. That you, part we can zoom some for some reason. Yeah, you can't zoom ice cream. I wonder if that was offensive to people who were on Zoom. Yeah. Next time you got to be in person. <laughs> <laughs> Get some treat that we didn't know that existed. Oh, I didn't man. know it was going to happen. All of a sudden, yeah. he was like, "We have ice cream." I was like, "Even better." Yeah. Not only did we dwell in unity for the night, we get ice cream for it. Yeah. That that was one of the big celebrations was going through COVID and just celebrating God's faithfulness to like keep our church together right. uh, with unity. He's so good to us at Calvary. It's amazing. That's right. I talked to a family that was relatively new to the church um, in their membership, and they had said, you know, we've been to a lot of annual meetings, business meetings. This was awesome. Like just the authenticity of it, uh, the transparency of where dollars go, accountability, outside audits, like a celebration. Like he's like, this is a really healthy place. Mm, like, yep. That's right. I told him Calvary's not perfect. You know, you hang out with us, you see your, our warts and our foibles, but man, it is a healthy spot. Yeah. God's always moving at Calvary. He has for over 130 years. I think last year God moved in through innovation at Calvary. Online messages, online sermons. Comms team has done a wonderful job in this last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Online presence. It's amazing that we have, what, it was like 700 clicks a week. During COVID? Yeah, what would they say? It was 25,000 people have visited or connected with us. 141 countries. And 141 countries Wild. in the last year. Yeah. 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 And the beginning of the yet-to-be-recognized number one podcast in America. Uh, the, the Weekly. weekly. <laughs> hey, soon. speaking of The Weekly, if you go to your podcasting subscription network, would you leave us a five-star review on The Weekly? We only take five stars. Anything below that, well... Thomas takes offense and cries himself to sleep at night because save, of it. Save that for the comment card. Yeah, <laughs> the prayer card. <laughs> hey, anyways, but go do us yeah. a solid and give us a review. Also, give us a shout out. Text us to your fans, friends. Let them know that you're listening to The Weekly. Post it online. It just helps get the word out about The Weekly. I would appreciate it uh, so that just not our moms are listening to the podcast anymore, but our family and friends. Right? Has your mom ever listened to this podcast? No, she has not. <laughs> I don't think I don't think my mom has either. John's mom has. John Deffley's mm-hmm. mom has. Zach, has your mom? I'm not certain she's listened to a podcast before. So <laughs> that has nothing to do with the weekly. It's just oh. podcasts in general. That should be like our goal is yeah. next time we're with our moms. Get them to listen to yeah. one of our episodes. Like, mom, I, I heard these really, really smart theologians <laughs> and a guy named Thomas be talking about some stuff. Yeah, totally. listen to this. Hey, what's coming up at Calvary? I want to briefly share with you. Go to calvarybible.com slash events. 
We have child dedications happening May 9th on all campuses. That's a Mother's Day weekend. If you have a child and you want to dedicate them to the Lord, to the community, to join with us in partnering the gospel in that child's life, go to calvarybible.com, sign up. And also we have middle school camp coming in June 21st through the 26th. Maranatha, so that's going to be a really fun, all three campuses. That's a great trip. The Lord moves in big ways there. Uh, Life change happens at middle school for sure. And then also check out that Calvary Wilderness has plenty of offerings for those who want to get into the backcountry and meet with God and hang out with others as a camp backpack. One time Thomas told me a story about him carrying in ice cream bars one to a backpacking trip. Did you do that or did you want to do that? Oh, to one of the wilderness? Yeah. Groups? I wanted to because my dad, so we would grow up and we would be, we would spend the summers on the river. Yeah. My dad would, he was an old river guide. We actually, we'd float for like seven days, like Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn style. And they would pack ice cream bars for wow. us and they'd do it in, I guess it was styrofoam, dry ice wrapped up in some other things. And like day three in the middle of the Colorado river, we would be having ice cream bars. So I asked the Calvary Wilderness, would you like me to just drop off a package? That'd be pretty amazing. They said no. Oh, those are rough. They're like roughing it, huh? I, I don't know. Yeah. Like what would, would be better than like day three, a, uh, a drumstick? Review <laughs> <Just> like- <laughs> <laughs> be a fresh pot of coffee that's like hand grind. That'd be it? Yeah, right there. What would you like want to find on the trail day three? Blisters, sweating, haven't showered. Missing your bed. That's right. Uh, I mean, ice cream does seem like a really good option right there. Uh, coffee would be a big one. I, maybe maybe just like a burger. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just, just, just a burger. I've just burned so many calories. I would really want to put them back quickly. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> That's okay, funny. list these three fast food burger places. Now that we're no, 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 we're not, this is not the food podcast, Thomas. In and Out Burger. Okay. Freddy's. Ooh, this is a California, California and, guy. And Wendy's. The, those are like, th- is, they're all fast food burgers. Yes. yes. But they're all different fast food burgers. Well, this rank them. Yeah, one through three. Yeah, one through three. And then where's McDonald's following? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest Freddy's fan. So okay. So it might be down there. Kay. Wendy's has a special place in, in my, my heart. And not just because uh, Jonathan Boardwell works at the one right down the house, uh, right down the way from the house that I'm at. Appreciate him and all he's doing for the Thornton campus. And uh, for Wendy's. Yeah. And there's that too. Yeah. Appreciate that. So number one is In-N-Out. But it's it's a really good fast food burger, but we need to recognize it's still a fast food burger. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's not going to be the best burger. Oh. It's an all right fast food burger. I, yeah. I feel like what keeps me from just all, like thinking In-N-Out number one is their fries. Mm. Like it's, it's just disappointing. Mm. If McDonald's fries could be associated with an In-N-Out burger, I don't know. That might be the glorious return of the Lord. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's why we don't have it. Like Maybe just, that's, that's why. too much grace. Too much grace. <laughs> 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 All right, we're going to jump into this conversation today. We have Zach Thompson on the podcast. For those who aren't familiar with Zach and who he is, Zach, briefly share sort of your background of training, theological training, where you come from, for those who might reside on the Erie and Boulder campus and haven't met you yet. Yeah, so, and was thinking about this through last night. Uh, I will get to answering your question eventually. Just give me 20 minutes. Uh, okay. I was thinking about this last night at the annual meeting of, uh, 
this time last year, I barely knew about Calvary. Uh, I was looking for a position, was feeling God calling me to go from working in student ministries for a handful of years, uh, kids ministry, to family ministry after that. Worked in church ministry about 12 years. Uh, was feeling a pull to go into the a next step position, preaching primarily, getting to use leadership skills that I think he's given me. Uh, and this started in March with an email to Pastor Gary, and that just kind of sent me looking at the website for a little bit. Uh, but what was the gift of last night of, of thinking through, like, man, a year ago, I didn't know all that God had done here, uh, that this is a church that God's been working through for 132 years we're at right now. And I, I'm just ignorant of that in Southern California, where I was born and raised, uh, not knowing how good God has been in this community. And it just made me think of how many thousands of places are like that. Uh, God's doing something special and unique here, but how many places are we just blind to the goodness of God and the work that he's been doing around this world that we're in? And we just don't know it. And and that doesn't mean God's not working. Uh, there's some times that we don't think that, but man, just... The, that was a, a picture that I got last night. Grew up in Southern California. Uh, went to seminary there a couple times uh, after going to, went to Biola, went to Talbot, went to Talbot again. Uh, been working in church ministry, as I said, 12-ish years. Excited that Emily and I are out here to be working at the Thornton campus. So what are your degrees at Talbot and Talbot again? Yeah, so got a Master of Divinity uh, and then a Master of Theology with an emphasis on historical theology. So what is historical theology for Thomas and I who don't know how to define that? Perfect. So it is looking at how have people taught and thought about God throughout church history. Uh, it's it's the intersection of a couple different things that works really well for pastoral ministry. We are applying God's eternal truth to a specific context. What a better way to learn how to do that by, than by looking at our brothers and sisters in Christ have done for 2,000 years of applying God's timeless truth to the shaping culture around them and been such a huge gift for me to, to figure out how to be a pastor from those examples. Okay, we didn't prep you on this, but if you're going to look through church history, sort of the lens of church history study, what are some of the most fascinating either time periods or people that just really encourage you? So I did my thesis on uh, 1630 to 1670-ish America, uh, so the Amer first two generations of American Puritans. Uh, it was really encouraging to me at the time. I, I don't think that that's for everyone. I, I go patristics, man. Uh, the early church fathers, those who knew the people who knew Jesus, uh, there's there's some incredible folks in there. In the midst of persecution, just beautiful love for Jesus, who was on the face of the earth 50 years before them. It's, it's so, it's nourishing. It's amazing that we have documents of those people. Yeah. That like, if you think about just the span of history and those, the context in which those men and women live their lives, what they wrote, we can still read them and know what they were talking about. Absolutely. Pretty incredible. So we brought the right guy on the podcast then. Yeah. Cause we're going to look at an ancient story, a letter that was written to a church in that first 50 years. That's that was, right. That was the perfect segue into the podcast. Thank you very much. That you, You've arrived in podcasting world <laughs> on that segue. So Zach, all right. So for anyone who hasn't been following at Calvary, we've been doing this each week as we started a new series three weeks ago in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And catch us up real quick on what we've been doing in the first 
chapter and a half and where we landed on Sunday or we, where we left off on Sunday. Yeah, so it's similar to what we were talking about with what God has been doing here. We look at Calvary, and Calvary wants to be a church that impacts the lives of other people. Those who are in the church, those who are outside of it, want to be a church of influence. And we grab that from churches like this one in Thessalonica that, that Paul had planted. In, in chapter 1, verse 7, uh, we looked at uh, Paul's uh, encouragement and joy from the fact that they became an example to all the believers that were around them in Macedonia and Achaia. And so we asked the question, if we are to be a church like that, one that is commended for being an influence, an example, what does that look like? What uh, can we learn from this church of how to be that? Week one, we saw it was their life that was the source of influence in others. It was their work of faith, their labor of love, the steadfastness of their hope that was making people turn to Jesus for the first time or strengthening their faith in him. Uh, Tom was out in Thornton last week teaching uh, teaching us in week two. Uh, you were here in, in Erie. Um, and I can't remember who's in Boulder. This is, uh, John was in Boulder. Perfect. How could I forget John? Uh, John uh, doing a great job showing that this life isn't just something that sprang out of nowhere, that this isn't the effects of them working really, really hard to have this influence. This is the result of the gospel, them seeing the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Uh, causes this life change. We don't work in such a way to earn God's love, but we live in such a way because we have received God's love. And that was week two. Uh, Also for week three, where is this life coming from? We're seeing it as coming from the example that Paul, that Silas or Silvanus and Timothy has shown to them. Uh, And this was, how were they able to be that source of uh, influence in in verse seven? Well, it's verse six of chapter one, and you became imitators of us. Well, what were they imitating? That's first Thessalonians chapter two, verses one through 12. That's That's a good summary of the chapter that we're in. All right. So, so one of the one of the big things that I noticed as Tom was out teaching here in Erie this week, and I know you were unpacking this text out in Thornton, is just the central piece of the gospel that you know, Paul shows up and he has the gospel message. The gospel means good news, and the good news that God has tasked him with to proclaim to all the nations. Right, and it's beginning first and foremost in Jerusalem, and then going to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And he's bringing the gospel to this city, and they have responded to the gospel. And they're now imitating gospel lives. Now they're being tasked to share the gospel with other people. What was the definition that we heard on Sunday or that you could share with other people about understanding the gospel? Because we want to all be proficient in being able to say, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are those nuts and bolts that everyone should have? Well, I mean, it's it's recognizing and it's coming from this passage that it's the gospel of God. So it's the good news of what God has done for us. It is the sending of Jesus who lived the perfect life that should have been ours. Uh, and because we didn't, he died the death that should have been ours. And he proved his ability to cover our sin in our life by being raised again from the dead, showing his power to forgive sins. Uh, and because of that, we can have life freed from sin to follow after him. All right, so the nuts and bolts, the scaffolding of the gospel that every Christian who's listening to this podcast, every Christian that calls Calvary home should be able to share, hang their testimony on, be able to unpack, begins with Jesus Christ from God, died, buried for our sins, and rose to new life. Yeah, but you're not making that up on your own. That's not this Thomas wisdom. That's 1 Corinthians 15. What? Jay? What? 
Yeah, you First just, Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Yeah, and what is First Corinthians 1 through 4? I'll have to look it up. You know it. Come on now. It's in you. So First Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 is where Paul says, Hey, I have not made this up. I've given to you what I also received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. So... And it's probably the one of the if you're going to memorize a chapter in the Bible, this is a really great chapter to memorize. Yeah, and, and we're grabbing that passage not because it aligns well thematically. It's it's saying the exact same thing that Paul talks about here that this is uh, the gospel that's been entrusted to them. It's not something that they're making up. It's they're not speaking this to to please man, but to please God. The, so the source of it is the gospel of God, and that's where we find the 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 common ground with first Corinthians 15. So, and then first Corinthians 15 ends that this is a gospel community. So that means that Cephas or Peter saw Jesus, um, they're eyewitnesses to these events. And then Jesus has showed himself to hundreds and hundreds of people. So this is a community event as well. It's not like a private personal, no revelation to anyone else that there's hundreds and hundreds of people that attest to this testimony. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we get to the book of Thessalonians, you see that this is a gospel coming to a community that's embraced it, that's also commended for, as a community, becoming imitators that become influencers to other communities. And one of the passages that, or one of the pieces from our text on Sunday that really captured my heart is when Paul says to this community of believers, we, we dearly loved you, like we loved you so much. And then just to draw on familial um, analogies, like a mother, like a nursing mother. It was hilarious when, when Tom was preaching here, Zach, uh, he said, you know, here's, here's Paul saying, like a gentle mother, like a nursing mother, I was gentle amongst you. He says, you know, when I was thinking about my mom, gentleness didn't really come to mind. Hmm. <laughs> it was just great. Because I had the conversation with a few guys like, yeah, when I think of my mom, I don't necessarily think of gentleness right away because, well, you just remember your mom like. Yeah, you fell a, down, you're hurt, your foot's broken, take some ibuprofen, go to bed. Oh, man. Yeah. And you just think the rebellious years, like that's what's in my head yeah, is me totally. being rebellious <laughs> teenager. Yeah. She's like, I ain't got no time for gentleness with you, son. <laughs> but here Paul says like, as a nursing mother and yeah. a nursing mother is so gentle with her infant. And that's what they are as an infant. And then he talks about being a father and exhorting and encouraging. Later, he'll use an analogy of like him actually being an orphan. Mm -hmm. So these are all familial analogies talking about the community that's there and his deep love for them. When he says, we loved you so much, you became so dear to us that we'd not only shared with you the gospel, but our own lives as well. And that, I think just drawing that into my real life lived Monday through Friday, that I want to be a gospel person that not, not only knows the gospel to share with people, that I'm willing to share it and share my life. Yeah. And there are so many Christians that I think of and I say, you know, that group of Christians are happy to share the gospel with you, but they're not interested in or willing to share their life. And that group of Christians over there is really happy to share their life with you but it never really gets around to a gospel conversation. Do you guys see things like that happening? Yeah, I think the the second one of those is one that we've we've latched on a lot as a church of the uh, we got to get to Jesus aspect of where we're friendly with folks and and maybe we don't want to offend and maybe we don't want to come off as unloving by pointing them to Jesus, uh, but always getting exhorted that we we got to tell people about Jesus. I think that's a common one that we've had, but. Uh, I think, it, at least for me, it's it's less obvious to us that it's a problem to not share our lives 
uh, the, we're sharing the gospel. That's what we're called to do. Why, why do I need to do more than that? I, I think it, it's a little bit less obvious to us why that would be a problem. Why do you think that's a problem? Well, I think in part is our task is to go make disciples. And so like we're motivated with an audience of one. This is also in the text that we are living not to please man, but to please God. And what's pleasing to God? Well, one of the things that's pleasing to God is that we make him known. We share him with people. I think one of the ways that we've excused ourselves is that famous quote, um, share the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. It's like, I'm just going to share the gospel always with my kindness and goodness, and I'll just never have to use words. Like At some point, you're going to have to get around to some words. Uh, God revealed himself in word. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we are at Calvary specifically, let's talk about our church, we have a desire to be intentional in where we work, live, and play. So where we work has people around us in community, where we live has people around us in community, and where we choose to play, like whether our kids' sports or sports that we choose or interests or hobbies or whatever, there's people around. And we're like handholds as people are reaching out to God, and we want to be faithful to share our life, but part of that life has to be seamless with us as Christians sharing the gospel. Yeah, there was a, a preacher that was in the area for a long time who used to have uh, tattoos on both of his hands that I thought were really great illustration of one on his right was grace, the, the left had truth, and it was a reminder for him to lead with grace and make sure truth was there, the gospel was there. Um, and I think that's a really great illustration for how the balance of those two plays, you know, because there's seasons when we just need to share our lives with people. You know, that's where they're at. That's where, you know, the Lord has them in their story. And then there's seasons when those conversations will turn into you must share the gospel. You must give the truth. You must demonstrate and communicate God's word to them. And that's a, a delicate balance. And sometimes I think we latch on to one of them because we're, we're afraid of the other or we, we're not very uh, knowledgeable about the other. And so uh, we don't want to look foolish either. And part of this is that, you know what, the gospel is powerful enough to speak for itself. We are just bearing witness to the gospel. It's not our results that please God. It's our obedience to just be kind enough to share not only our lives, but the gospel. Yeah, I think even living in where the area that we live, in Boulder County, around Boulder County, around Denver Metro, like those aren't necessarily counties that just easily embrace the gospel message. I mean, if we were in, I don't know, what's stereotypical, Kentucky? Kearney, Nebraska? <laughs> no, I don't know. But somewhere where it's like, it's just easier to grab the gospel mm. or it's more culturally acceptable. I think the, the sharing my life with you piece is what you do to build relational equity mm -hmm. so that you have a platform then through your deeds to have an opportunity to share the good news. And I think that's where Calvary has, has really tried to focus on why we necessarily are motivated to do really good things. It, uh, we care about social issues, absolutely. Oh, yeah. But it should build relational equity so that we have a platform to be able to share the good news with somebody. Um, I, I found this to be true when I, when I worked specifically in Boulder with so many social agencies that, that cared about the same things the church cares about, uh, keeping women and children safe from domestic violence, uh, caring about homeless issues, housing issues. Um, all of those things, uh, you can't just insert the gospel right away because the people I'm working with, especially in Boulder County, want nothing to do with Jesus. 
But if I can show up in their personal life and I'm helping them move from place to place, if I'm showing up in their personal life and coming alongside them in pain and suffering, then there's a platform when I share what motivates me to do these things that they're willing to listen. I think there's there's the danger of saying, hey, I love relational evangelism as long as it just never gets around to the gospel. Right. Or I'm happy to share a track with somebody, but don't ask them to come to my living room. Totally. And gospel people are like, I have the message and the means, which is like my life shared. I want to share both of you with both of those things with people. Yeah, yeah. Because neither, neither of these aspects are unique to this passage. It's, it's what we find throughout God's word of how we're supposed to live in response to how he's, he's loved us so much that the greatest gift that we have is the, that it's God's love. And so to not show that to other people is, is an unloving thing to do to them. Uh, we, we think it might be unloving to show them uh, who Jesus is and what we're called to do. It might be offensive to tell them the truth of the gospel that runs counterintuitive to our fallen nature. Uh, but it's the greatest gift that we have to show them that love uh, because we have been so shaped by it. And, and the other aspect of that is, is true. Like we aren't called to just give the content of the gospel, but it, we aren't called to just kind of see people as future converts. And that's, that's all that they are until they start following Jesus. No, it's, uh, it's, we love, uh, we have been so shaped by the, the truth of the gospel that as we come alongside people and as we love them, we love them so much that we want to show the, uh, share them the gospel. And we love the gospel so much of what it's been done to us that we want to love other people because of that as well. And so it's that that kind of aspect is once we're grasping on the truth of what Jesus has done for us, it leads to us just not being able to contain ourselves and telling people and sharing ourselves. I love that you said that, Zach. Like people aren't just future converts, projects, which just humanizes them, right? Like let's let's embrace them and to share both live and message. I think one of the things that you had mentioned that was meaningful to me is how even Paul demonstrates his kindness and gentleness towards them in those early days as being a convert. We see it here in verse 9 and 10 in how he was even willing to serve these new believers and not put any unnecessary burdens on them. What, what was really impactful in verses 9 and 10 with you in how he labored amongst them? Yeah, so what's great is it's, it's quite clear in the text that if your primary role is proclaiming the gospel, it is sin to receive payment for that, right? Is that how you guys read it? That's how I read it, yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, not, not that at all. It's, uh, it's, what's fascinating, we looked at in, in uh, Thornton, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Paul talks about how while he's in Thessalonica, he's receiving money from Philippi, from the, the Christians in, in Philippi. And we see kind of two different aspects that are being worked there. So he planted this church before with these Philippian Christians. They are more established in their faith, more mature believers. And what we see more mature believers do is recognize every good thing I have is from God. Every good gift that I have is from him. And so I want to give back, not to repay, not to earn more, uh, not thinking that God's going to bless us by giving a little bit back to him. No, so that his name is made great, we give back. And so they supported the ministry that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were doing by giving to God for the purpose of the gospel. But with these new 
Christians. And we don't know how long that they were uh, in Thessalonica, but we know they were there for a relatively short amount of time. And so that would make them all new converts, relatively new believers. And what they wanted to do instead of making demands on them, and and this goes back to uh, verse five, we never came with a pretext for greed. We didn't even want to appear to have greed in our lives. So we preach the gospel to you freely, paying our way by working, laboring, and toiling hard work so that all you had to do as new believers, as people who do not yet believe, your job is to receive. Mature Christians in the faith, we give back to God because he's given us so much. But new believers, we want you to receive who Jesus is. So how do you apply that to people of Calvary and how Calvary, we had the annual meeting. We saw what God did with the generosity of the Calvary faithful people. How do we apply that to like everyday living in our context in Thornton, Boulder, and Erie? We want to be shaped by financial stewardship. That's one of our, our Uh, distinguishing characteristics here at Calvary, where we give uh, faithfully of our financial resources. Uh, Those of us who are following Jesus, especially we, we pitch this to our members. We, we talk about finances where it's in the text, but uh, we're not making demands of new people through the doors. Uh, We're, we're talking to those who are saved, who are professing to follow Jesus. And what we do as Christians is, is we give back again, not to earn more, not to make God like to force his hand to bless us or anything like that. But no, it's recognizing that every good thing we have is from him. And by giving back that the, that his glory goes out, that the gospel goes out from that, we can, uh, we can have pastors that we free up to study and help us grow and know him more. It's we can have buildings where we can bring people to our neighbors, our friends, so that we can walk alongside of them, pointing them to Jesus. From that, we can go to Wood Glen Elementary and pass out breakfast burritos as just kind of a way to say thank you so much for making a difference in our community. Like that comes from saying, God, you've given me everything and I want to give back to you out of of a sign of, of knowing that you are in control of all things and that you love me and care for me and I want your name to be made great. Yeah, Thomas, briefly just share with us the generosity of Calvary towards the nations as well, just not even locally, but globally as we partnered with other people around the world with our faithful stewardship. Yeah, so here at Calvary, we still have a a big passion for global missions. And when we think of global missions, we think of evangelism. Uh, We think about church planting. We think of community development. Um, And we give a large portion of our annual budget, 10%, to the global mission field. And that's through supporting local mission, or sorry, individual missionaries uh, that are domestic, that are local, and then also majority global on the front lines in different countries. And we're just so passionate about, you know, what's God doing as he raises up future missionaries. We want to support them as they're sent out, as well as there's certain regions that Calvary has been committed to for, you know, even more than decades Yeah, to where we say, hey, we have local indigenous churches, local indigenous leadership that we want to resource that maybe people who receive the resources that are blessed by these local churches um, globally would never hear of Calvary. And that's a great thing that they would hear just of God's grace through their church and those mm-hmm. pastors in those areas. And so we invest in Nicaragua, which um, works with uh, women and children who are caught in trafficking. Um, we work in Haiti, work in Step Seminary, trying to empower and unleash church leadership, men and women, to plant churches uh, out of, of, of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and to the Ardabanit and up into Coupon. And then we also have been working with um, another church down in the Amazon, uh, down the Amazon River, 
where that's a medical trip, just caring for the people who live alongst the river about, you know, 500 miles or so down the Amazon. Mm. And it is just a really, really special thing to have ongoing partnerships. And we've had ongoing partnerships in the Sudan and other places as well, and potentially have future partnerships coming. But we're just dedicated to saying, man, we want the gospel to go out here locally in our community, but also globally abroad through people of Calvary. And it's just so encouraging. Like one of our marks is we want to be growing in generosity, that we want to take you from where you're at and then continually grow. That There's not like a benchmark of, well, what's the bottom line? How much do you need to give? You know what? The Lord can direct that. He loves a cheerful, generous giver that's responding, as you're saying, Zach, to what God has already done in their life. Yeah. And so we're always asking, like, how do, we, how do we grow in our generosity? Yeah, that's great. Calvary, we're just so thankful you jumped in the conversation that we had the privilege of having here today with Zach and Thomas uh, here at the campus. Thanks for your generosity, even supporting a ministry like this, the weekly. If you ever have comments, questions, uh, ideas about the weekly, you should write us the weekly at calvarybible.com. We look forward to hearing your comments. We want to be super helpful in resourcing you and your everyday life lived. Let me leave you with this from First Thessalonians 2, verse 12. Just something to take today as you're in the car, as you're picking up kids, as you're thinking about uh, caring for loved ones, thinking about your day. We exhort each of each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Just know, friends, that you're called today to walk a worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we're just so thankful and we're praying for that today that you step into those things, those spaces that God has called you and live out your faith, shining very brightly in the dark, dark world and sharing the gospel and sharing your lives with those that you love, you live, work, and play with. Talk to you very soon, Calvary. Have a great week. We're out of here. Say peace out, Zach. Peace out, Zach.